Genesis chapter 8 and verse number 6. I'll give you a little bit of time to turn there. You may already be there. I don't know if you have your Bibles. Open it up. Let's start at chapter, I mean, chapter 8, verse number 6, and we're going to read down to verse number 12. If you have it, say amen. amen. If you don't have it, say wait. Oh, there it is. See? They're quickest fingers in Pentecost right there. Amen. Genesis chapter 8, verse number 6. And it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent forth a raven which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the face of the earth. And he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. That's a good Old Testament term to say, were the waters still there? Verse number 9. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot. That's very important uh, writing and and verbiage on how uh, this was written down. And she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were off the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet another seven days and again sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came in to him in the evening and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. And Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth, verse number 12. And yet, although he knew the waters had rolled back or the waters had gone away, he stayed seven more days and sent forth the dove which returned not to him anymore. For the next few moments, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach to you on this subject, releasing the kingdom. That's what I want to happen in my life, in this city, in the time that we are living in. We need the kingdom of God to be released. Whether you're in this and you have been in this for 20 years or you've been in this for two months or two weeks, The simple fact is this, is that we need the kingdom of God to have free will in our lives. Amen. Would you lift your hands one more time and would you pray that God would have his divine will in this place? There's one thing us apostolics know how to do. We know how to pray. Would you lift your voices? Come on from the front to the back, from the left to the right. Lord, I submit myself unto you completely. Not my will, but thy will be done, O God. Anoint me from the top of my head down to the very soles of my feet. Speak to your people here tonight. I take dominion over anything that would be a distraction against this service right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I confirm that the gifts of the Spirit have already been loosed in this service when we stood here to pray for miracles. And I pray that signs would confirm this word following. In the name of the Lord Jesus, if you believe God's about to do something great, would you let your praise reflect what you're expecting out of this service right now? Praise God. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor before you're seated and say, I'm glad you're here. Amen. Amen. Please be seated in Jesus' name. 
kingdom that you are a part of is not like anything else in the world. The beautiful thing about being a part of this kingdom is our king is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I don't know about you here today, but at the trajectory of this nation right now, I am glad that this world is not my home. I think we got a little too comfortable in the good old United States of America, and I'm thankful for this great nation. But I'm also thankful to know that my earthly address might reflect somewhere in Florida, but my heavenly address is where my real permanent abode will be. I have a passport signifying that I am a United States citizen, but nevertheless, I'm really not a citizen of this country. My, my life is living for a place beyond the blue. I'm going home with Jesus in the twinkling of an eye. I don't know the moment, I don't know the when, the where, the how, but I do know one thing. There's going to be a day where I stand on streets of gold. There's going to be a day where I don't need the sun to be my light because the S-O-N will be my light. The lamb will be the light. No more crying, no more shame, no more cancer, no more heartache, no more pain, nothing. And one thing you got to understand about a kingdom is that it comes together and it is comprised of two words. Kingdom is king's domain. And so although we know that we are part of a kingdom, the king's domain is wherever we allow God to rule in our life. Wherever we allow the, the kingdom of God to take dominion in our life, we all like to quote that the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And I firmly believe that on the scale of national and global revival, that this kingdom is continually increasing. But I don't want it to just be said that it is increasing in Glen Ferris. I want it to be said that it's increasing in your life and in my life as well. I don't want to be the same Christian at the end of 2022 as I was at the beginning of 2022. Let it not be said of you nor I that when this year closes out that you and I are the same person living for God the same way that we were January 1st of 20. I pray that when I close this year out, I will have said that the kingdom of God, is his domain has increased in your life and in mine. Amen. And the beautiful thing about this kingdom is that its king is no respecter of persons. And you got to understand that doesn't mean that God doesn't respect you or he doesn't respect I. It means that, that he doesn't care where you come from on the, the, the walk of life. Wherever you are here tonight, maybe you're rich, maybe you're poor, maybe you're educated, maybe you're uneducated, maybe you've got talent out of your ears or you're just holding it together with the one talent that you've been given. It doesn't matter where you are on either side of the scale. This God, this kingdom, King cares about one thing that no man or woman should perish. He just doesn't want you to spend eternity in hell. If I've done my job here tonight and you've done your job here right here tonight, then we'll say we left different than the way that we've came. We're a part of a kingdom. 
And you know, John chapter 3 says something beautiful about this kingdom. It says that no man can even see into this kingdom lest he is born again of what? Water and spirit. Now when you see that he says that no man can see into the kingdom, we like to think through our natural ability to see, but that's not what he was saying. He said you can't comprehend. What he was talking about is your ability to understand kingdom principles. You and I cannot understand kingdom principles until we are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Until you're filled with the Spirit of God, until you're baptized in the name of Jesus, you really don't understand what's happening in the house of God. You just feel goosebumps and you feel chills coming up and down your spine and you don't really know how to call it or what to call it or what verbiage to put to it. But I'll tell you from somebody that's been baptized and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, I'll tell you what, you're feeling the Spirit of God in this house tonight. You see, people in the world they they, they try to put they try to put uh, earthly earthly terms to a a heavenly principle. And it, it's quite funny because when Jesus came and he says, "You've got to be born again of water and of spirit," Nicodemus, now you got to understand the mind of Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was a master of the law. Nicodemus was a man that had the Torah memorized. He had the law memorized. He could quote it to you. You would say, "Read me this chapter in Deuteronomy." And Nicodemus, by, by his nature, by his degree, by who he was, he would look right at Jesus and he could have went boom, 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 boom and quoted any chapter verse that he would have given him. But yet when Jesus tried to talk to him about kingdom principles, a man that was schooled in the knowledge of the word of God could not understand what it meant to be born again. He said, how can a man enter into his mother's womb a second time? There, he tries to put an earthly principle to a heavenly paradigm. And that's what we try to do. We try to say, boy, it, it has, a, the other day, my wife and I, now listen, I've been married for almost two years now, so I don't have it all figured out. You probably don't want me to come teach your marriage seminar, all right? But the other day, I learned that, that as the seasons change, so too do the decorations in the home. Now, I've been living by myself since I was 17. I, I, I have one set of, of a couch and a chair and a bed, and that's really all you need as a man. If you got too many pictures on a wall, we're worried about you. But after I got married, I learned that my wife needs to buy things as the seasons change. So we're coming into fall last year, and I learned that fall decor has to be purchased for our home. What? You got to have pumpkins and orange and red and then fall, you know, leaves all of a sudden that are meant to be on a tree or in your home. <laughs> and we walked in, I don't know if you guys have Tuesday morning in West Virginia, but it's this wonderful store because it's cheap that I take my wife to when she wants to buy decorations. So I took her to this, this store called Tuesday Warming. I, I wish she could be here this week, but my wife is a, is a much more, she, she's, she's, a, she's a quiet person, but she's a prayerful woman. She's an intercessor. I thank God for her. I think she's watching tonight. I love you. And my wife, we were standing at the checkout and we were, you know, adding all this up and I'm standing there, my stomach's upside down because I'm watching the bill add up. And the lady behind the counter as she's adding it up, she looks at my wife and she says boy you've just got a good energy about you and what she tried to do was put a an earthly idea to a heavenly feeling 
because she wasn't feeling an energy. What she was feeling was the power of the Holy Ghost on a woman of God that knows how to enter into a prayer closet and get a hold of heaven and pray until the glory falls. Friend, you might be here tonight and you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost or baptized in the name of Jesus. And as this great worship team begin to lead us into the presence of God, you begin to feel the Holy Ghost move into this place and all you feel is positivity and joy. You're not just feeling positivity and joy. You're feeling the Holy Ghost pulsate through a building. What you're feeling in this house right now is the power of the Holy Ghost. What moved in here when they begin to sing and they begin to lead us in, it's the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something about the Holy Ghost. It's the greatest thing in the whole world. You'll never find anything as good as the Holy Ghost. There's no drug that's like the Holy Ghost. There's no alcohol that's like the Holy Ghost. You can put it in your arm. You can do whatever you want. You'll never find anything like the power of the Almighty God that's in this room. a song that says I searched all over and I still couldn't find anybody. Nobody greater. Nobody greater than you. It's the kingdom. There's nothing like the kingdom. There's nothing like this king. And, And when you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and you're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you begin to take on the understandings of the kingdom. And you gotta understand that that yes, there is a kingdom of heaven, but there's also a contending kingdom. Now, I realize that, that there is a theology that says that there's the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of man, and then the kingdom of, of darkness or the kingdom of Satan. But I believe in all reality, and I think I can scripturally kind of put this together, that in fact there's only two kingdoms. You have a kingdom of light and you have a kingdom of darkness. Now, you got to understand, when, when Jesus came in John chapter 1, the Bible says that light came into the world and darkness could not comprehend what had stepped into the world. The Bible says that I believe it's somewhere in Luke chapter 22 that when they come to take Jesus, they came with swords and they came with spears and Jesus looked at the guards and he looked at everybody that was there. He said, I've been with you daily in the temple. I had been there with you all these days and you never tried to take me now, but you come this day with swords and spears. He says, I understand what's happening. This is Morgan paraphrase. The kingdom of darkness or darkness doth reign for a season. Really, there's there's a struggle and it's always been there and it's a struggle between light and it's a struggle between darkness. And I believe that if you begin to look into Noah and the ark, you see the two kingdoms. Because you see that when God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and then God said let there be light and there was light and through light God began to bring order to creation but it all starts with light taking control of darkness. And then you see that Noah, the Bible says that you begin to look that wickedness has begun to overcome the world. Darkness has begun. The Bible says that there was never a moment that man's thought were not mischievous or they were not evil. Man had grown dark again. 
And you see that as, as God floods the earth, 40 days of, of rain, 40 nights of rain, you see this incredible display of, of, of really what is type and shadow of new birth. And, and I'm not going to get into all of that, but, but you see that as, as, as Noah gets ready to see if the earth is ready for human habitation once more, the Bible says he creaks open a window and he releases first a raven and then he releases a dove so you see I believe that when you look at the raven you see the representation of a kingdom that is darkness and then when you look at the dove you see the revelation of the kingdom of light because the dove represents the spirit of God now you have to understand that when he releases the raven and the raven goes out the Bible says something very peculiar the raven returns not the raven travels to and he travels fro upon the face of the earth now a raven if you begin to study into the animal or the bird you see that a raven is an omnivorous creature a raven will eat whatever is available at the time a raven doesn't care if it's dead or if it's living a raven doesn't care if it's decomposing flesh or, or if it's a grape off of the vine the raven's just going to eat whatever the raven can eat and if you begin to study how bodies decompose in water you will find that there's no way in 40 days and 40 nights that all of the animals and all of humanity could have decomposed in the time that the waters had abated off the face of the earth can I, can, I, can I mess with your thinking just for a minute? I believe that when the raven was released, that the kingdom of darkness was able to feast on one thing, flesh. Because the raven will eat whatever is presented to it. And I believe there was plenty of dead, decomposing, stinking flesh. And let me tell you something. In this world today, you will find one thing. That the kingdom of darkness has always dwelled alongside flesh. You want to know how you know that today? You look at the world right now. What do you see? You see an increase of flesh. You see men loving men. That's flesh. Women loving women. That's flesh. You see an increase in the blurring of life. You see a removal of the man from the home. Destroying what we call the nuclear family. You see that men are now. Oh Lord help me. You see, the, you see the demoralization and the demasculization of men. You see it removed from the home. You turn on a sitcom. You find a domineering woman and a weak man. That's darkness. That's flesh. God created man to be the order of the home. To tend to the garden. To speak. And when he speaks, it is yes and it happens. So you see that when the raven is released, uh, there's plenty of food for the raven because darkness and flesh, uh, they cohabitate together. I say to you tonight uh, that if you feel like darkness is overshadowing your life, uh, I say we do an inspection in the mirror. Is there more flesh than there is spirit? Because when the spirit or the dove was released, uh, the dove would not dwell where the raven was willing to dwell. The Spirit of God does not contend with your flesh. Your flesh dies. That's why before you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you must repent. 
because repentance is the turning away watch you're going this way towards death and you're going this way towards the end of it all and then one day a preacher says you must repent of your sins and that repentance is the burial with Jesus Christ and at that moment you turn this was the way of wickedness and then you see the way of righteousness and the Bible says that the righteous shall run into the strong tower and the strong tower is the name of the Lord when you're on the path of wickedness all you see is wickedness but at repentance you turn and you see the name of the Lord is my strong tower and the righteous shall run into it and be saved you can't even receive the Holy Ghost as long as the flesh the death of your flesh you you die to your flesh that's the death that's repentance and then you are buried in baptism with Christ and then just like the Bible says the same spirit that quickened and raised Jesus from the dead will also raise you you get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost baptized in the name of Jesus it's a new life and the Bible says that, that when the dove was released that the dove found nowhere for the soul Listen to the language of the scripture. It's important. Nowhere for the sole of her foot to rest. She had nowhere. Now you got to understand that, that when God got ready to establish the kingdom with Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, you see he tells Joshua, just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Wherever the sole of your foot goes, that's taken territory for my kingdom. The sole of the foot represents dominion. The sole of your foot represents where the authority of man is going. What he was trying to say is, is the dove or the spirit of God found nowhere for the kingdom to be released at that moment because the kingdom is not going to be released in darkness now watch the bible says after the dove comes back the first time seven days right seven days Noah waits and he releases the dove again now this is where it gets exciting because when the dove comes back the second time there's an olive branch in its mouth which represents peace which represents anointing the olive branch represents the olive and the olive is where we get the anointing and the anointing oil has always been type and shadow of the spirit of God. So watch, the dove is released the second time. And the second time that the dove is released, it comes back saying, there's oil flowing again. There's anointing flowing again. The spirit of God is flowing again. But the dove returns. And you watch, Noah doesn't get off the boat even though he knows the waters have been abated. Can I talk to you for just a minute? I believe that this was the showing of the dispensation before Jesus comes on the face of the earth. Because when it shows that the olive was there, what he was saying is, oil's going to flow again. The Spirit of God's going to flow again. And you start reading through the book of Judges. The Bible says, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, but it couldn't remain. You see that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, but it couldn't remain. You see that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul, but it couldn't remain. You see that the Spirit of the Lord, it comes upon men. It came upon Deborah. It came upon these men and these women throughout the Old Testament but still nowhere for the soul of the foot of the dove to remain so what I believe the second back of the dove means is that oil's flowing but my kingdom could still not be established 
my kingdom could still not be released into the fullness that I wanted my kingdom to be released. All of that happens until you get to John chapter 1. Now watch. You get to John chapter 1 and you see and you start correlating John chapter 1 in with the uh, Genesis chapter 8. You find this. Watch. Now the second time or the third time that the dove is released, you have seven more days. The dove comes back from the second return. All right. Noah waits seven more days. You have a total of 14 days here. Is this all right? Am I making sense? The platform says I'm making sense. How about the pew? Am I making sense? We're going somewhere. Watch. You have seven days. He waits. The dove comes back with the vine. Okay. Then he waits seven more days and he releases the dove. And the Bible makes it very clear. And the dove does not return again. You have a total of 14 days now. Now the number 14 is significant in scripture because the number 14 literally means salvation and deliverance. And so the dove was released the third time on the number 14, which means salvation was released out of the boat the third time. But the dove did not return back to the boat the third time. And the only time you see the dove descending a third time is in John chapter 1 and verse number 32. And John bare record saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the spirit descending and remaining can I preach to you for just a minute until you get to Jesus the spirit could move upon man but it could not remain upon man until you get to Jesus the spirit would move upon Samson he would break vines he would tear down prison cells but when you get to Jesus it says the spirit remain on Jesus now, why is that so important? Because when you get to Jesus, you find where the kingdom said, I can be released. And thus Jesus comes to establish the kingdom that you and I now get to operate freely in. And so when we're baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit doesn't just move and leave, but the Spirit remains upon man. Zeke, you want to know why I'm exuberant when I preach because the spirit didn't leave me it's going to be there when I go to bed tonight it'll be there when we wake up tomorrow it'll help me through my day at work it'll you see the spirit remains that's why you can live a life free from sin that's why you can break chains that's why you can be used by God in ways that you never thought you could be used. Do you believe that tonight? Yes. Now, you got to hear me for just a second. Because I know where we're at in the spirit. And the Lord a little while ago birthed this message in me. And he said, this is what the spirit is saying to the church. I believe with everything that is within me that the days of superstar preachers are over. Now listen, I like the big name preachers as much as anybody. 
I listen to them. I admire them. I want to be like them. But you've got to hear me. If we're waiting on the revival to come when a certain man stands behind the pulpit and you're waiting on a certain preacher to deliver a certain word, you are missing the urgency of the hour. The same spirit that rests upon your pastor. Now listen, I understand the different operations of offices. We honor the pastor. We honor the man in the pulpit. That's not what I'm preaching. But I'm preaching that there's a call for an 11th hour worker to rise up. And we're here waiting on one man to show up and one man to do it. When the Spirit of the Lord is saying, I'm remaining upon you. And I'm remaining upon you. And I'm remaining upon you. So that my kingdom can be released in Glen Ferris so that my kingdom can be released in your home. Can I preach to you tonight? We've got to break our ideology and loose the Holy Ghost to work through you and to work through me. Come on, lift your hands for just a minute. Lift your hands for just a minute. Come on, pray for just a little bit. Listen, Jesus came to establish the kingdom so that you and I could carry it out you go to Luke I believe it's chapter 17 is everybody with me you go to Luke chapter 17 you find that the Pharisees come to Jesus and they demand of him when is the kingdom coming and Jesus says the kingdom cometh not by observation he said the kingdom is not going to come by those that are looking on to it he said, there's going to be some that they say the kingdom is low here, the kingdom is low there. He said, but the kingdom is within you. What he was trying to say is, my presence is what lets you know that the kingdom has arrived into a place. He said, it is within you. If you read it in the Amplified, he says, because I'm here, my presence is here. And because my presence is here, my kingdom has arrived. Okay, so now you have to understand that what they were asking Jesus was this. Are you coming finally to remove Roman rule and restore Israel back to its original self? They thought the kingdom was going to come with the breaking of Roman rule. And Jesus was trying to show them, my kingdom is not coming like you think it's coming. And we as the apostolic church has done the same thing. We put revival in the certain category of how we think it's going to happen. And we have limited the pouring out of God's spirit at the rate and the magnitude of which he's wanting to do it in these last days. God is not wanting for it to come with observation. Now watch. You go down to Acts chapter 1. And his disciples, after Jesus himself has resurrected from the dead. 
He's standing there before he's going to ascend up into the heavenlies. And his disciples turn and they look to him and they say, Jesus, we have a question. Are you finally, are you finally going to reestablish Israel? What they were asking was this. Are you finally here to break Roman rule and to reestablish the nation of Israel? And you watch. Jesus looks at them and says, it's not for man to know the time or the season of my father. And this was his response to them wanting to know, is the kingdom coming? By the way, go tarry in Jerusalem. For my promise is going to be endued upon you from on high. Not many days hence, you're going to get a promise from upstairs. It was the comforter that was revealed in John chapter 14. So this is what Jesus was trying to release in that moment. He was trying to get them to understand. You're expecting for my kingdom to come by me breaking it all open. And I'm trying to show you that my kingdom is going to come. That when you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you're going to do things for me you never thought you could do. You're going to go places in the spirit you never thought you could go and you watch the Bible says that after Jesus ascends up into heaven that the angel had to come back down and say why stand ye here gazing on in other words why are you trying to observe what I sent you to do and to work I am trying to get you to get to Jerusalem because my kingdom can't be established until you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And once you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, guess what? It's going to go to Jerusalem. And then it's going to go to Judea. And then it's going to go to Samaria. And then it's going to cover the entire world. And this is what we're trying to do in the hour that we are living in, God is trying to tell this church here tonight that the way you're going to have the revival that you're wanting to have is not when a certain man stands behind the pulpit and says it's time for revival. The way you're going to have it like God intends for you to have is when you realize what you got the day you got the Holy Ghost. What God is trying, I don't care what side you come from. I don't care how long you've been in this. If you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and you're baptized in the name of Jesus, he's trying to call you into a harvest field. He's trying to teach you that it's time for you to lay hands on the sick and the sick to recover. He's trying to tell you you're fully equipped to teach a Bible study. You're fully equipped to be a witness. You're fully equipped to do a work for God. About seven months ago, I'm, I'm done, I'm almost done. About seven months ago, I was preaching a youth convention alongside Brother Aaron Bounds in, in, the, in the state of Maine. Brother Bounds did Wednesday night and Thursday night and then had to fly out and left me to try to clean up after Aaron Bounds, which was not very kind of him. Lord spoke to me that night that there was going to be a release of his spirit and that God was going to do great things. So I get to preaching kind of like I'm preaching right now. Not, not a, the same message, but along the same lines. And the Lord told me, he said, this is what I want you to do. He said, I want you to get a young man and a young lady. 
that believes God can use them. I said, all right. Now, I'm, I'm, the, I'm, I'm, I'm the evangelist for this convention, but God wants me to get somebody else to do it. So I asked the youth president, I said, hey, Brother Cox, uh, would you do me a favor? I want you to get me a young man. I want you to get me a young lady that you know that has a prayer life and a walk with God. I want you to have them come stand on this platform. They came up and they stood on the platform. Young man was 12 years old, previous youth president's uh, uh, son. His name's Johnny Channel, his son. He stood there at 12 years old. I said, if you need the gift of the Holy Ghost, I want you to come stand over here to my left, your right. All these kids came down. There's about nine kids that needed the Holy Ghost. Little Johnny Channel's son, 12-year-old boy stood right there. I said, now listen, this is called the word of faith. This is what you're going to say. Upon the authority of the word of God and the power that's in the name of Jesus, receive you the gift of the Holy Ghost right now. Every single young person that needed the gift of the Holy Ghost when that 12-year-old boy lifted his voice was immediately filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then on this side, there was a young lady there, 17 years old. I said, all right, I don't remember her name. I wish I could right now. I said, this is what I want you to do. You're going to, you're going to pray the prayer of faith, but this one's going to be for miracles. She said, all right. I said, if you need a miracle, come sit over here, my right, your left. All these people gathered over here, my right, your left, in this convention center, and this 17-year-old girl with a boldness came over her. I said, this is what you're going to say. Upon the authority of the word of God and the power that's in the name of Jesus, I command every sickness, every disease, everything to be healed right now in Jesus' name. This 17-year-old girl spoke the word of faith and many miracles took place immediately. Now, I didn't realize this until the next day. I was wondering why the place kind of went crazy. The next day, the youth president and I are going to get a cup of coffee before I fly out. He says, oh, by the way, did you know that there was a woman there that was born deaf and her husband translated for her? He did the sign language for her. When that young lady spoke the word of faith, immediately that woman was healed and her deaf ears were open. Let me tell you something, that didn't happen 10 years ago, that didn't happen 20 years ago, that happened just a few months ago, and I'll tell you how it happened. It happened when somebody said, if we're going to have the revival God wants us to have, it's going to take you, and it's going to take you, and it's going to take me, and it's going to take him, it's going to take everybody in this room. You got to hear me, there's an old well that God is wanting to burst forth in this city. I felt it when I pulled in here. There's an old well that's ready to flow again. I feel the undercurrent of the spirit I feel a rumbling of the Holy Ghost and I'll tell you how it's going to burst open when God's not waiting on the faithful few to get out and do a work for God but when the church rises up and say these signs shall follow them that believe in my name I shall cast out devils in my name you shall tread upon serpents Young men are going to prophesy. Old men are going to prophesy. There's going to be sons and daughters of multi-generational apostolic revival. It's not a coincidence that your pastor opened this service by saying, I want the fire to spark up again. About two years ago, I was standing in an airport. And I walked into a Hudson newsstand and I bought a bottle of smart water because I'm praying one day it's going to help. <laughs> and I walked into this Hudson newsstand and bought a bottle of water and I walked out of it and I'm standing there with this bottle of water and a man met me, stood right in front of me. He said, the Lord told me to tell you. I don't know this man, never met this man. I believe he was an angel. He may not have been, he may have been. I believe in angels. So I believe he was an angel. He stood there and told me, he said, the Lord told me to tell you.
that there is a mass revival coming to North America. He said, and the Lord showed me a vision to tell you. He said, there was a map of North America. He said, and on this map, he said, there were fires that began to spring up. He said, and these fires begin to splinter. And they begin to cause other fires. And these other fires, they started sweeping through North America. And then they swept North America and the world. And he said, the Lord told me to tell you this is how he's going to send end time revival to the North American church and the world. Glenn Ferris Apostolic Church, I want you to hear me. From that moment forward, I told the Lord, I said, don't send me just to any church. I'm not interested in preaching. Listen, I say this humbly. I'm not interested in preaching to people that don't want apostolic revival. And I prayed. I said, God, send me to places that you're ready to be a fire on that map. The witness that there's a witness of the Holy Ghost that just testified to that right there. You hear me in the Holy Ghost right now. This church is a fire on that map. I don't know how many daughter works you're planning on starting, but every one you start is going to be a splinter of fire. And it's going to begin to splinter all across this state. Hear me in the Holy Ghost. It's happening. It's happening. The way we're going to see that type of revival is when we don't continually lean on the faithful few. This is what we do. We lean on the, on the core four and no more. And we say, well, well, we'll leave that for the evangelist. We'll leave that for the, for the one that always gives the tongue and the interpretation. We'll leave that for the one that operates in the gift of faith. I'll tell you how God's wanted it to happen in the end time revival. It's not going to be four or five that operate in the gift of faith. It's going to be you that operates in the gift of faith. It's going to be you that operates in the working of miracles. It's going to be you that God uses in tongue and interpretation. It's going to be you God baptizes you with the gift of faith and you're going to be a witness on your job like you never thought you could be before. It doesn't matter if nobody else in your family's ever been. God can make you that. Because this is the hour that we are living in. This is the moment that we are operating in. This is the day that we are living in. And God is calling not one, not two. God is calling everybody to pick up a mantle, to pick up a burden, to pick up a calling. Get out in the field and let's have apostolic revival. If you want it, if you want it, I want you to come to this altar. If you want God to use you like I've been talking about tonight, we're going to start tonight like this. I want you to make your way to this altar. Come on, if you never made your way to this altar before, tonight's a good night to start. Everybody that can, make your way to this altar. Everybody that's hungry, make your way to this altar. Everybody that wants to go there, make your way to this altar right now. Come on, there's more that need to come. When you get to this altar, I want to thank all of you for kneeling. Thank you. But would you stand with me? Thank you so much for coming and kneeling. But those that are kneeling, would you stand right now? Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been sensitive to the Holy Ghost, and this is not a rebuke. I just want you to stand with me right now. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Would you stand with me, my friend? Come on. 
God's going to give you a fresh anointing tonight. Come on, stand with me. Come on, that's it. Thank you. I want you to lift your hands. Want you, the, the, the Holy Ghost is here right now. Everything you need is in this room right now. This is what I want you to do. I want you to begin to just pray with everything you have. And as you're praying, as you're lifting your voice, God's going to begin to prompt you to pray for somebody next to you. God's going to begin to prompt you to lay hands on somebody. You Maybe you've never laid hands on anybody a day in your life. Tonight's the night for you to lay hands on somebody. I want you to lift your hands right now. I want you to lift your voice right now upon the authority of the word of God and the power that's in the name of Jesus. I lose callings. I lose boldness in the spirit. I lose mantles into this room. I pray right now that there would be a baptism of of Holy Ghost and there would be a baptism of fire. Come on, that's it.